Evening again. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry celebration of our Lord and Savior's birth. Glad that you're here this evening. Is everyone comfortable? Not too cold? Not too warm? You know, I thought maybe we'd put the air all the way down like to 40 in here so it'd feel like it's winter out. No? That you're enjoying the, the warmth, right? Okay, I am actually. Well, if you have your Bibles, you don't, I mean, if you don't have, that's okay, it's Christmas Eve. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verse 4 through 14. If you need a Bible, Richard's up and he wants to give you one. If you don't own one, um, it's a gift. You can have it. Merry Christmas. Before we get to the study, what's Christmas Eve without a few Christmas memes? I like this one. It says, why are you stalling? Are you going to start the game or not? Look at his words. It says, venison. (laughs) Kind of blurry, but. Next one. This guy's a genius. Just a a Grinch and a little bit of light on there. That's it. That's it. Then my favorite one. I like this one. Think about it. Think about it. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Easter's on its way, blows his nose in Cheerios and eats them all the day, right, you guys? That's for you kids tonight. <laughs> well, I'll tell my message this evening is signs of Christmas. And let's read starting in Luke chapter 2, verse 4 through 14. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this night tonight, a joyous occasion to sing praises to your name and to rejoice in what you have done. We pray, Lord, that you would bless our time together, Lord, as we uh, just join together in fellowship. We dig into your word, Lord, that you, uh, we are open, Lord, to hear from you this evening from your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Lord, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people, and we thank you for that, Lord. And now, as we just look to your word this evening, we ask your blessing on our time. Lord, we pray if there's anyone here that has not surrendered their heart and life to you, they're not born again yet. They don't know what it means to have their sin forgiven and have eternal life. Lord, would you especially touch their life this evening? Thank you for our time. We give it to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. How do we know? The signs are all there. The Christmas trees, the lights, the snowman. I found a picture of one house. Take a look at it. It's got it all. 
It's got the nativity scene, it's got Santa, it's got a few angels, some stars, and if you look close enough, it's got a big, huge, pink hippo. You do see it. And one would have to go, if that's all you had to go off of for Christmas, what is Christmas all about? Kind of like some of the road signs out there, maybe that you've seen before that don't make a lot of sense. I found a few of these, like this one. Where would there be a place where there's falling cows? I mean, don't they believe in fences? I I don't know. Or this one. Going to drive someplace where some elk's going to smash your car? Or this one. (laughs) Finally. That's the caution side. You're on the road to nowhere. <laughs> I shared those with you because I got to thinking about signs this week and driving around town and looking at construction signs and, you know, alarm people signs and Christmas signs. And uh, But you can tell there's a celebration about to take place. What's it all about? Well, it's the signs of Christmas. But the true sign begins in Luke's account what we just read of the angel's announcement to the shepherds of the birth of Christ in chapter 2, verse 12, where it says, And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swallowing cloths lying in a manger. In other words, he was saying to these, the angels are saying to these shepherds, when you find a baby, this baby, take note, because this is a sign that God has done something extraordinary, especially in your midst. This is a sign to draw you into the very presence of God. So pay, pay close attention to the sign. Now the sign is not the manger. The sign is not the swaggling cloth. The sign is you will find a babe, the Christ, the newborn King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as we come to this Christmas Eve service, now 2019, may we come to rediscover the wonder of what God did in that manger to be spiritually refreshed this evening with the fresh encounter of our risen Lord. And if it's going to happen this evening, then we need to look at some of the signs along the way. Now, I'm not talking about the signs we just looked at that we find along highways. I'm thinking about the kind of signs that we put up in our own lives. And I know that very often the reason that we do is because uh, the key people in the story of Christmas did it. And I don't think things have changed really that much over the years. Let's see if you agree with me tonight uh, quickly. I've noticed that some of the people in the Christmas story put up the kinds of signs that virtually has guaranteed that they would not have a meaningful encounter with Jesus. Now, who do you, who may that be, you ask? Well, for example, the innkeeper. Verse 7 says that they laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What did the, the innkeeper sign put up? Well, he put up the no vacancy sign. You see, Caesar had a decree calling for a census for the entire Roman world, and everyone was required to go to their hometown to register. So even though Mary was in her final days of pregnancy, Joseph and Mary made that difficult trip from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. When they arrived there, they found that the town was packed with travelers just like themselves. In fact, it was so packed that when they showed up at the inn and Joseph pleaded his case for his room, pointing to his very pregnant wife, Mary, the innkeeper responded by saying, there's no vacancy here. 
Sorry, I've got no room for you. Everyone is in the end is already filled. Every room in the end is already filled. Now, what the innkeeper was saying was absolutely true. He wasn't holding some room back for some close friends, you know, or if you pay me a little more, you'll get the you know one room that I have. No, they were full for the night. To make room for Mary and Joseph and ultimately Jesus, he would have to ask one of the other guests to leave in order for them to come in. Listen, the same thing is true for you and me. Each of us have very a limited amount of space in our lives. We've all been given exactly 24 hours a day. No one gets 25. No one gets, gets 23. And there's a limited amount of time and energy and resources that any of us have at our disposal. We are limited beings. As a result, one of the great challenges of life lies in deciding how will we distribute our, uh, you know, limited resources among so many responsibilities and so many opportunities that come our way. Sooner or later, one way or another, each one of us are going to be forced to come with the grips, with this undeniable reality of life that we can't do it all. We can't do it all. There's only so much that I can cram in my life, only so much you can cram in your life. And once my life is full, I have to hang that no vacancy sign. I have no other choice. And when I see the no vacancy sign in my life, it means that the only way to bring something new into my life is to remove something else from my life. So I ask you this evening, do you have room in your life for a meaningful encounter with Jesus Christ this Christmas Eve? Or is there a no vacancy sign hanging over your life right now? Do you have the time and the energy and the resources that it takes to make the journey into God's presence and stay there long enough to be overwhelmed by the wonder and the glory of God with us? Or is there no vacancy sign hanging over your life right now? Does something in your life need to be removed in order to make room for Jesus? If that's the case, then what needs to go? Maybe it's too much time spent on a hobby. Man, you've gotten so into it now that you've posted the no vacancy sign to Jesus. No room right now. Perhaps it's overtime at work. Thank God for it. But if your relationship with the Lord is suffering because of it, then perhaps it's time to take a step back rather than amping up the overtime. Perhaps it's sports and you're watching the game rather than spending time with God. Or it's the TV, the political news that's been going on. I mean, you're all wrapped up with that. Maybe it's some phone game, you know, and you spend more time beating Bejeweled than creating jewels for your crown in heaven. Maybe you're frozen in your walk with the Lord because you've been playing frozen. Whatever it may be that is causing a no vacancy to come up, it's time to reevaluate and see what the Lord would have you give up. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance a race that is set before us. See, I believe what God is telling us through His Word is the importance of making room in the end. Where's the end? Right here in your heart. Right here in your life. Making room in your life for an encounter with Jesus. But this brings us to another person who put up a sign that virtually guaranteed that he would not have a meaningful encounter with Jesus. That sign was the caution sign. Now this came from King Herod. Herod was a, a brutal king whose greatest interest was his own self-interest. He was more willing to use deadly force to, to eliminate anyone that would stand in his way, anyone or anything that he perceived as a threat. What threatened Herod? Well, for starters, it was the Magi that showed up. The wise men. Now, I don't want to burst your bubble. I know that the song says, we three kings of Orient are, but those three kings of Orient aren't. We don't know how many kings there were. I mean, there could have been two, there could have been five. We say there's three because of the gifts. 
Reminds me of a story I heard of a, a little boy coming home after Sunday school class and he was asked by his mom about the birth of Jesus and, and what he had learned. And he told her, I learned that there were three maggots and they gave gifts of gold, Frankenstein, and Smurfs. <laughs> but for Herod, these, these wise men were mysterious visitors. These men, however many there were, were into the study of the stars, astronomy, as well as astrology. But God came to them in a way that they would understand. And although they took their eye off the star for a moment and went into Jerusalem thinking the king of the Jews would be there, God still used it. And then they came to Herod, and Herod's reaction is, he kind of freaked out. He immediately throws up the caution sign. Herod took the announcement of Jesus personal. He saw it as a threat to his crown since he considered himself to be the king of the Jews. He was not about to stand by and loudly watch this baby grow up and be his powerful rival. So he decided to take a preemptive action. And sadly, Matthew 2, verse 16 tells us that Herod gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Now it seems to me there are a lot of people today that are posting caution signs. When you mention Jesus Christ, mention he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. See, they don't mind seeing the little baby in the manger kind of makes them feel warm and fuzzy all over and the quaint little manger and, and you know and the shepherds and, and you know and the little animals it's very nostalgic and, and people don't mind Jesus you know as a good moral teacher good moral person ethical he inspires us to do our best and really people don't mind taking a few days off from work to commemorate his, the birth of Jesus embrace him for a time they address him as a man upstairs but saying Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of Lords, that causes a problem. Because human nature, we like to call our own shots. We want to be the ones in charge. We resist other people telling us how we should live. And to the non-Christian, they want to be in control. They want to be the captain of their own ship. They want to control their own destiny. But here's the irony of this. They think that they're in control, but they're really not. Because the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.26 that those that don't know Christ are caught in the snare of the devil, taken captive by him to do his will. They think they're in charge. But the devil is really calling the shots. They think we as Christians have no mind of our own, or no, but in reality we Christians have been set free. It's a non-believer that's living in control of someone else. As Christians, we willingly take down the caution sign. We've totally surrendered our life to follow Jesus Christ. Not because we have to, but because we want to for what He's done for us. We've realized that He's done so much for us that we would say, like Saul said at his conversion, Lord, what would you have me to do? We, we know though that there are those that like Herod that they're not willing to surrender their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is very clear when He said this in Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters. You can't. That means if you want to experience the fullness of God that He offers you through a relationship with Jesus Christ, the King, then you have to come to Him on His terms, not yours. Total surrender. See, God doesn't bless caution. He blesses total surrender. He blesses obedience. Are you willing this Christmas season to set down the caution sign and just in obedience totally surrender and trust Jesus to be your King? To give your life completely over to Him and, and, and to be obedient? Is there some step of obedience that you know that He wants you to take? But you've kind of held back and said, Oh, no, I don't know about that. You put up that caution sign. Let it go. Let it go. Start with your family. 
Be more committed, man, to feeding your family spiritually, sharing with them God's Word. You know, move, your, move to your church family. Pray about getting more involved here at the church. Serving, going deeper in, in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's giving more of your time and your energy and resources to something that Jesus has called all of us to do, and that's preaching the gospel. Not only preaching, but living it, making disciples, teaching others. I say, throw caution to the wind and that, you know, complete surrender your hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, doing what he's called us to do. So we've seen a no vacancy sign. We've seen a caution sign. Now number three, got a stop sign. Got a stop sign. Verse 8 of Luke 2 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Do you ever wonder why God chose to go and talk to to shepherds to announce the birth of His Son to these these group of uh, of shepherds? I mean, He could have sent angels with their history-shattering announcement to anyone on earth, famous people, wealthy people, powerful people, people of influence and, and fame. But instead, He chooses to go to this common, ordinary Shepherds. Why do you suppose he chose these shepherds? Well, in fact, the scriptures don't tell us why. But I think we can make an educated guess. I think God chose these shepherds because he knew that they would listen. I think he chose them because he knew that they would be willing to stop whatever they were doing for as long as it took to hear what was he was saying to them. You know, I've never watched a bunch of sheep in the middle of the night, but I have to imagine that it's not a fast-paced, high-moving occupation. I don't imagine there are many shepherds having to take time off for stress-related illnesses. Never heard of sheep herders with PTSD, post-traumatic sheep disorder. It's a bad disorder. (laughs) Come on, it's Christmas Eve. i got to throw one of those in there. But I would imagine that being a shepherd provided long periods of silence and solitude of just being alone underneath the stars night after night on some secluded hill. But what a perfect place to encounter the living God. An environment perfectly suited for practicing what God commands in Psalm 46 verse 10 where he says, Be still and know that I am God. I think the shepherds were that kind of people that understood the value of just being still before God. But I think, to be honest, most of us struggle with that. Not only being still before the Lord, but just being still, period. Even as Christians, we'd rather be busy for God than anything else, that we even convince ourselves that that's what He really wants for us. But I found that being busy, even for God, rarely leads to wonder and awe and reverence of who He is. Being busy for God rarely leads to a renewed spirit and awe of Him. Listen, the key to resting in the Lord and being renewed by the Lord is to be quiet and still before the Lord. To be patiently waiting on Him, listening to Him. Let me ask you this. How long has it been since you put up that stop sign and said, I'm going to stop. I'm going to take this time and just be still before the Lord. I'm going to not go to bed so late at night so I can get up in the morning and hear from the Lord and draw close to Him. Not out of guilt, but because you desire to experience His presence in your life like perhaps you once have. How long has it been when you just sat down and spent 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes being deliberately still before the Lord, waiting on Him, listening to Him? 
We all know Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Folks, Christmas is here. We're celebrating the birth of our Savior and King. And let me tell you, you don't rush into the presence of a king. Don't come running into the presence of the king. No, you make yourself available and then you wait. You pray. Lord, is there something you want to teach me? Something you want to say to me? Then you wait. Read his word a little bit. You wait some more. Lord, is there something you want to to change in me? And you pray and you wait. Lord, is there something you want from me? And you seek the Lord quietly, patiently, still before your God. See, I believe with all my heart that God wants this to be one of the most meaningful Christmases of our lives. And I think it can be if we pay attention to the signs in our lives. If you spot a no vacancy sign in your life, take it down. Take it down. Make room in your life for a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. No matter what you, you have, clear it out so you can see Him. So you can have Him. If you spot a caution sign, take it down. Don't settle for a safe Christmas. Make this Christmas a total surrender, not holding back, completely following Him. Finally, if you don't spot a stop sign, put one up. Come to a full and complete stop and remain stopped until you are absolutely overcome by the wonder of God with us, Emmanuel. Finally, I want to bring up one more sign, the peace sign. You know, the greatest problem this world has ever had is a problem of sin. The Bible says that before we come to Christ, we are enemies with Christ. Our sin has separated us from God. There is no peace. But Jesus came to take care of the sin problem. Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. He says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took care of the sin problem. 33 years after that baby was born in that manger, he would go to the cross and he would die for you and for me. The sinless, perfect Savior would take all of my sin, all of your sin, pay that penalty, which is death. For the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because death could not hold him. He was sinless. He would rise from the dead. Now he is our mediator between God and man. There is peace. There is reconciliation. We have peace. That's why the angels declared in Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Peace has come between God and man through the cross, through Jesus Christ. And all we need to do is believe. Put your faith and trust in Him. Believe that Jesus died for your sin, rose again from the grave, and you can have peace this Christmas. Will you open up your heart to Him this evening? Let me ask you as we close, is there still a no vacancy sign up in your house? Jesus says this in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. In other words, Jesus is knocking. Will you open up your life for Him or will you leave this place tonight with Him still on the outside? You know, Jesus said in Revelation, He was talking to the church. Talking to Christians. We as Christians, have we shut the door on Jesus because we've been too busy, too cautious to these things going on in our lives? It's time to open up again and say, Jesus, fill me afresh with Your Holy Spirit. Give me a, a renewed vision. Lord, help me to walk with You in a way that I've never walked with You before that I might bring you glory. 
See, Jesus, again, was talking to the church. Let me tell you, Christmas can be very religious. Very religious. All sorts of religion signs up there, but it's not very relational. Religion is Jesus on the outside looking in. But a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is when Jesus comes on the inside and He wipes away every sin ever committed. He gives you a clean slate. A clean slate. A do-over. He takes away all your sin, your guilt, and stays in your life to lead and direct your life. And He gives you peace. That's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion, God is on the outside. Relationship, God is on the inside. If there's no room in the end, in the end of your heart for Jesus, then there needs to be. Because the good news is, He's brought peace to earth. Not peace between nations and between men, but peace between man and God. Jesus bridges the gap between sinful man and a holy God. So if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, this Christmas Eve would be the best Christmas Eve for you if you said, Lord, I want to be born again this evening. And if you are a believer, let me remind you what Isaiah 26, 3 says. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Keep your mind on the Lord. Keep the focus. The Lord is returning soon. Don't give up. Don't look back. Stay focused. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word says that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And your word goes on to say that you did not send your son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Father, I pray right now, if there's anyone here that does not have a personal relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, if they've never surrendered their heart and life to you, Lord, would you touch their heart right now? Would you help them to see their need for you? Lord, that they would be born again this evening. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, is there anyone here this evening you want to be born again? You want your sin forgiven? You want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Would you just raise your hand so I could pray for you this evening? This is just between you and the Lord, saying, I want to make this commitment to follow you from this day forward. Just raise your hand. Father, we thank you for this time. And Lord, I pray for all of us as we reflected on what took place in that manger so long ago, Lord, that we would reflect our hearts and make sure, Lord, that there's always room for you in our hearts and room for nothing else, Lord, that we would overflow with our love for you. You'd fill us with your spirit. Lord, help us to not put the caution sign up. Lord, to completely surrender our hearts and lives to you. Not hold back. I'll be a Christian at work, but I mean at home, but not at work. Or I'll be a Christian over here. Lord, help us to not hold back. Lord, maybe you're calling us to to take a step forward, get involved in ministry, or, or or in some other way, better leading our home and our families. Help us to do that. And finally, Lord, I pray for all of us that we would have a chance just to be quiet before you, that we would silence our hearts and just rest in you. Lord, thank you for the gift of peace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said...